Hockey Hangover podcast coming at you live the evening of National Signing Day. Virginia Tech signed 19 commitments today with a 20th not officially signed yet, but Malachi Madison, I guess, is working through scholarship paperwork, the recruiting websites are reporting. So uh, he will be signed soon. I guess he officially signed the letter of intent, but they're, they're working on some sort of aid or something. I don't know. Rick, what's going on? We have no Andrew tonight. No, we don't. Um, did you say eve of National Signing Day? Is that what you uh, said? Evening, evening. Oh, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> if I said if I said eve, I, if I said eve, I meant evening. So sorry I was I was shook. Um, yeah, no, sorry I'm doing good. Um, happy that we could get to this point. So now we have some concrete ideas to mostly what this class is going to look like and. We'll talk a lot about um, the guys that didn't sign, obviously. Right. Uh, but it, it would be it would be uh, wrong of us to not at least start with the guys who did sign. And um, there's what 19 guys here, and that's pretty much most of the class. There is room for more, which we're gonna have. Um, but this is obviously going to be the meat and potatoes of this class. And there's some to like, there's some not to like, um, but ultimately like every recruiting class, it's going to take two to three years plus to evaluate exactly how good this class is on paper. It certainly seems to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Uh, before we get into that, Rick, who are we sponsored by? I mean, it wouldn't be a hokey hangover podcast if we weren't sponsored by main street pharmacy which is basically like the taj mahal of blacksburg like there's oh man (laughs) jeremy's gonna have to change his pants after that (laughs) there there is no better uh establishment than the good folks at main street pharmacy um you go to CVS, you go to Walgreens, you go to Rite Aid, you go to wherever the hell you go to, um, and you're basically just one in, in a long line of numbers, and they don't really care, and it takes you forever to get your prescription, and then they mess it up, and um, you go to a Main Street Pharmacy, and they treat you like a neighbor, and um, it it wouldn't be as good if we were, as we were saying it is, if Nikki Giovanni didn't go there, but she did. That's right. So That's right. Um, I don't know what else to tell you. If you're in Blacksburg, you're in Christiansburg, you're in Radford, uh, go get your stuff from Main Street Pharmacy. Jeremy's a little crazy. We all know that. Uh, but we love him and he runs a fantastic business. And um, they are one of the, um, the meccas of the NRV. You described Main Street Pharmacy as the Taj Mahal. I won't be able to top that, so I won't pretend to. So go check out Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg. Rick, let's talk about the recruiting class. So yeah, so, so Tech signs, what, 19 guys? 19 and officially, and a 20th is inbound with Malachi Madison once they uh, – there's something, something going on with – uh, military aid or, or scholarship aid, something's happening with that so anyway he, he is the 20th so he will be signed officially within the next day or so he signed his national letter of intent so he will be a part of this class okay so 
there's like we said in the open, there's a lot to like here, right? So yes, let's start from the top. Gunnar Givens signs his national letter of intent. That's big. That's a good thing. Defensive right? side of the ball. I, I'm not buying that. <laughs> DeJuan Ellis was was signed as a quarterback, and hey. within within four months he was playing wide receiver. Hey so. man, hey hey, JC Price retweeted my tweet about it today. So at least to start defensive side, yeah, of the ball. he's going to start there. But yeah. if there's no chance that he opens fall camp at on the defensive line, I just no don't chance. See it. Okay, very little chance. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll he is see. he is probably going to be playing offensive line, and uh, quite frankly, I hope he does. I think he would be a really good uh, prospect there, and I think there's that's a reason. There's a reason why everyone thinks he's going to end up there. At the very least, he's athletic, which yes, you know, yes, six five six five two seventy. I mean, but you have to figure that by the end of well, so they they said that they were going to give him a chance on the outside, right? Yeah. Yep. There is, there is no chance that he plays defensive end for Virginia Tech. Zero. Not happening. At 6'5"? You don't think he'll play defensive end? He's going to add at least 15 or 20 pounds he was once at, he gets into a college weight room. Here's why I disagree. He was at 290 is what he said. He said he was at 290, shed some weight, ran a faster 40. Now he feels like he can play defense. I think that after a red shirt season, he's going to be back up to like 285, 290. You think you think Virginia Tech has a luxury to redshirt him? Yes. I hope okay. they I hope they redshirt him. I really do. I well, I, I love the idea of as Chris giving Coleman, guys as Chris Coleman says, always be redshirted. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I, I, you, as I used to work with Chris Coleman, I understand that completely. And Always I wholeheartedly agree with him. Unless right. you have someone who is um, just that elite athlete, giving them a year in a college weight room and giving them a chance to, to eat food that's good for them in terms of their training tables and whatnot, and giving them a chance to acclimate themselves to practice and run scout team for a year. Right. It's, it, it's just absolutely it, it does wonders for so many guys. Um, granted, that's not sexy anymore, right? You need to walk on to campus and immediately start competing for a Heisman Trophy. Right. Well, apparently. yes, yes, because <laughs> because these these recruits, when they sign, they say for the next three to four years, I'll be playing here. And all of them say that now. So they all assume they're going to just play three years and be gone. I remember so, when Devin Hunter said that. <sighs> He's still on the team as far as we know, right? Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I, I just, I remember when he said that. Yes, <laughs> yes. And he but is all, going. He's far from the last to to say that and have it not pan out yes, that way. Yes. But in all seriousness, having talent like Givens in the program is undeniably a plus. Um, he's not your elite prospect. He's not someone who's like a ninety-seven, ninety-eight on the two-four-seven composite. But he's got a pretty good offer list. Um, Anyone that gets offers from Penn State and Alabama uh, is someone that I'm interested in. Clemson offer, Florida offer, Kentucky, LSU, Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State. I'm just reading some of the big schools. Yep. Texas, AM, USC, uh, West Virginia. Like he has a lot of offers for a reason. And he's someone that's not even an hour away from Blacksburg. So, I want to, and I don't want to totally pivot from Gibbons, but 
a guy who also went to Lord Botetot, who got an offer literally this morning from Virginia Tech that was originally a preferred walk-on under Justin Fuente. He committed to Richmond, uh, but then Coach Pry offered him a scholarship this morning. And as, I don't know if you saw the, the uh, Twitter slash Instagram video of it, Rick. Hunter McLean. I did not. So very cool. Anyway, he offers him a scholarship. McLean freaks out. Uh, but he's also from Lord Botetot, and he's not rated in the composite, has an 83 rating. He's a three-star on 24-7, And his film's not that bad. Had an offer from Kentucky, offer from Iowa State, then obviously committed to Virginia Tech today after originally committing to Richmond, flipped over to the Hokies. Um, I didn't want to totally pivot from Gibbons, but this is his high school teammate. Thought he was an interesting prospect for signing as late as he did, being offered as late as he was in the process. Yeah, I mean, Brent Pry is going to start showing us what kind of evaluator he is over the next six to eight months in terms right. of the, the kinds of offers that he sends out. Um, and this is obviously a guy he felt like he could bring on. Um, and it worked, you know, and, and, and sure, he's not someone who is going to jump off the sheet here in terms of Virginia Tech's rec recruits that they just signed. But, um, you know, anytime a coach extends an offer like that when he just got the job, you have to wonder if maybe he feels like he sees something that no one else is. Uh, but, you know, time always tells with recruiting. Cam Johnson signs as well. I thought this was an important one. Me too. Um, he, I, I think he's a good athlete. Um, good high school, for sure. Good, good football yeah, school. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's in the he's in the general footprint that Virginia Tech needs to be recruiting in. Uh, another guy with a pretty good offer list, uh, Benji Gosnell. He signed. Oof, that's an offer um, list. Yeah, I, I haven't actually like looked at the whole offer list, but uh, I know it's extensive. Yeah. So we've got uh, Carolina here, which he actually took an official visit to um, Ohio State, Florida, Georgia, NC State, Notre Dame, Penn State, Tennessee. So, yeah, another solid offer list. And quite frankly, a position that Virginia Tech has had some talent at over the last couple of years, but hasn't really utilized all that well. You know, and right. I'm hoping that Tyler Bowen's offense will be able to take that take more advantage of the athletes you have in the passing game because that's something that we just never really saw after cam phillips quite frankly uh quite right. frankly yeah i agree uh let's let's move on real quick to two guys that virginia tech flipped from uva yep let's talk about brody meadows uh high three-star six six two eighty offensive tackle from bluefield virginia and then let's also talk about Keyshawn burgo i think it's burgos is how you pronounce his last name? Probably. 6'5", 235, edge rusher. Um, high three-star on 24-7. He's about an 86 in the composite. So Chesterfield, Virginia, uh, an area, in, you know, right outside Richmond. Virginia Tech wants to get back into Richmond. That's been clear with the Highland Spring signings in this class, which we'll get into here in a bit. But uh, Keyshawn Burgos and Brody Meadows, anytime you're able to come in and flip two guys from Virginia, uh, you know, with Bronco Mendenhall moving on, it's pretty significant, uh, especially in Brody Meadows' case. It was clear that he wanted to be a Hokie. Justin Fuente never offered him. <laughs> so what in the world? But anyway, uh, I think I think two pretty good signings there. It's always good to flip from an in-state rival. 
Yeah, um, I, I don't know if you know. Anytime you start getting into the three star, um, three star category, you're kind of splitting hairs at this point. Generally speaking, you want to add guys at the top end of that spectrum. Um, and right. Meadows is in that area at eighty eight point five, according to two four sevens numbers. Um, decent offer list. Michigan State's on there. Tennessee's on there. Um, has good size. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and act like I watched highlight film of any of these guys because I gave up on that. <laughs> like well, watching watching highlight film and then never seeing it in in um, ha- or come to fruition at the college level just got me mad, so I just stopped doing it. Um, I mean, Tech's offensive line um, is kind of weak in terms of the bench um, as we move into next season, so that means that Brent Pry needed to backfill some spots and get some talent in that can be ready, maybe not next season and maybe not even the year after that, but two, three, four years from now, guys who he has signed and had redshirted and had those guys in the weight room. Um, that's, that's a long-term investment in the program when you start bringing in these kinds of players. So uh, absolutely a fan of, of that. Um, and again, and like you said, anytime you can flip Virginia commits, um, you're going to piss off the right people. <laughs> um, I have no idea if Keyshawn Burgos can play. 6'5", 230 is decent size. He can probably get up to about 250, 260, depending on how his weight room goes. Um, I- I'm curious to see what kind of size we start seeing at the edge spots because something that we saw obviously under Charlie Wiles was that Virginia Tech's defensive line and particularly their edge rushers were a bit on the small side. And mm-hmm. that's, that, that, that's a, that's a Bud Foster thing going back forever that he always preferred to have quick twitchy defensive linemen right. that could shoot gaps um, as Justin Fuente took over. And obviously he brings in um, Bill Tierlink the the transition to try to have bigger defensive linemen became apparent we didn't get much time to see that come actually to fruition but uh where does brent Pry's defensive scheme fall on that spectrum do they want to have those quicker defensive linemen do they want to have defensive linemen who are bigger and can hold gaps longer i don't know um we'll we'll have to see how that goes and that's probably something we won't be able to tell at least two or three years down the road unless they start making a bunch of additions in the transfer portal. Well, let, let's just continue down the path of defensive line. One guy I really like, Rashad Purnell, Highland Springs, uh, 6'4", 250 defensive lineman. He signs with the Hokies, Kyrie Moiston, defensive lineman, 6'4", 220. And then Lamar Law, 6'5", 280. He's pretty intriguing. He's flying under a radar a little bit um, compared to some of the other defensive linemen for Virginia Tech. But Lamar Law is an interesting prospect as well from Green Run uh, out by you, Rick. So I, I, Virginia yeah. Tech, I mean, it, it's interesting too because those three guys in particular, um, those were all holds from Justin Fuente. So bigger defensive linemen, um, guys that built your link, Gerald Tapp before he left, of course. Um, J.C. Price, like the, those are the types of linemen they were recruiting under the Justin Hamilton scheme, a little bit bigger up front versus, like you mentioned, the Charlie Wiles, Bud Foster scheme, where we're used to seeing smaller defensive linemen and edge rushers. The siding in, in that group that 
I'm curious to see how it pans out as Rayshon Purnell. And it's only really because of the um, lack of recruit, recruiting success that Virginia Tech has had from Highland Springs. Right. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, Highland Springs is coached by Lauren Johnson, a uh, former Virginia Tech player. Lauren has been um, an avid Hokie his entire life uh, since he a- attended Virginia Tech. And he runs a really good program at Highland Springs. I don't know uh, how, exactly how many uh, like district championships and state championships they've been they've been fighting for and winning, but it's they're, they're very a very competitive high school football program in the state. And Virginia Tech has just not recruited this school particularly well while Lauren Johnson has been there. And I can tell you from people that I've spoken with, it's not because Lauren is is sending kids away. Right. Just that Virginia Tech has not established those relationships with those with with the recruits. Uh, This is obviously a change. Of course, it was with the other staff. So you have to give them credit for that, but also give Brent and Pry credit for being able to sustain that relationship in such a short order. And obviously, J.C. Price for being able to um, keep him from jumping ship. And and just uh, generically speaking, J.C. Price deserves a ton of credit because Virginia Tech only lost two prospects at this point. Um, there could be a couple other guys that did not sign. Um, Daquan Wright did not sign. Xavier Chaplin did not sign. I don't know what their situations are. Both of them are commits. Um, yeah, I Wright but, and but Chaplin. Things, Wright and Chaplin uh, are going to hold off until until February. I think they want to get get some more information on who the offensive staff is going to be, which is understandable. You know, yeah, it's understandable. Um, commendable. I was just going to say real quick, commendable of, of, you know, Brett Pry to be able to hold on to as many offensive commits as he was able to. We'll talk about the guys who who didn't end up committing, but I, I can see both sides, right? Like I can see as a player being like, all right, I want to know more about my staff, right? That That's coming in. Um, I want to get more information. So, you know, in Wright and Chaplin's case, I can understand also in Alex Orgy and Ramon Brown's case where they're like, you know, we, we don't have enough certainty about what this offensive staff is going to look like. So, you know, we're going to move on and, and, and head somewhere else. I understand it all. Yeah. So do I. Um, it's, and again, just, just JC Price's ability to retain so many guys to me is not only encouraging for the Hokies moving forward on the recruiting trail, but just kind of goes right in line with what we figured with, would be the case with JC Price anyway. He's going to sell the hell out of Virginia Tech, and he can he can do it from a, a specific perspective that no one on the roster, or excuse me, no one on the coaching staff has. And uh, retaining him certainly seems like it was a smart decision to this point. Okay, so how do we feel about some of these other guys in the class? One guy who stands out, well, there, there are a few actually, so but let's start here. Uh, Mansoor Delane right? Defensive back, getting a push late in the process from Michigan State. Ends up that Malcolm Jones, a former Virginia Tech commit, flips to Michigan State. Probably took Mansour Delane's spot, but the fact that Michigan State, one of the top defenses in the country (laughs) this year, was looking at two different Virginia Tech defensive backs that were part of this class. It's good the Hokies were able to keep at least one of them. And I do like Mansour Delane, number one, because of the, the recruiting footprint, right, be, being in Maryland. Malcolm Jones was from Georgia, so getting a Maryland guy to, to stay within this class is important. But 
Um, number two, like defensive back position of need and a high three-star defensive back in Delane. Um, I think he has a chance to be pretty good. He does. Offer list isn't overly impressive. He's got some P5 offers on here, though. Um, he, he seems to be the defensive back that is generating the most hype out of this class, uh, almost more so than Cam Johnson, yeah, uh, which great. I find interesting. Yeah. Um, does seem that way. I have, yeah, it does. I have, I have been, I have been jaded too many times when it comes to recruits and I've, I've started to force myself to not buy into the hype on these guys. Right. Because it's just so many of them don't pan out. So many of them transfer guys that you think have no chance of sticking at, at this level will stick and they'll, they'll actually succeed. It's, it's almost like just shooting darts at this point, but um, the the buzz around the around the program seems to be that Mansoor Delane is a really really good keep for the Hokies, and I certainly hope that is the case. Um, you mentioned defensive back is a place of need, and I wholeheartedly agree. Um, Archbishop Spalding is a school that I think Tech has recruited in the past over the last few years. Um, I don't I don't know if they've actually pulled anyone from there, but I know that they've targeted guys from there in the past um hopefully he is someone that can turn out to be a, a competent power five player um like i said earlier anytime you get into this mid to low three-star range you're really just rolling dice let's hold off on bryce duke for a second um because we can tie him Why? into that a was discussion. the one i wanted to talk about i know don't don't worry <laughs> don't worry we'll get to him we'll, we'll tie that into the running back discussion with ramon brown g committing because i have some thoughts on that um, so, so give me one minute here. Let's go to Tucker Holloway. So six, two and a half, 178 per 24, seven sports, three-star, uh, a guy who started generating buzz, uh, prior to his senior year showed well in camps this past summer, uh, received a late scholarship offer from Billy Napier at Florida was being heavily pursued by Vanderbilt, um, had an offer from Iowa state. Uh, that he was contemplating this past summer before committing verbally to the Hokies. But a guy who a lot of folks over 24-7 sports thought could end up flipping on National Sign Day ends up sticking with the Hokies. Uh, it's safe to say, you know, he's a late bloomer, given the, the late scholarship interest from some SEC schools um, and the late push put on by those schools. But um, Tucker Holloway is an interesting candidate wide receiver in a class that doesn't have many of them, Rick. No, and a lot of the receivers that Virginia Tech has signed over the last few seasons haven't panned out. Right. Uh, Jaden Payout being the most notable example. Um, terrific athlete, has had a lot of injury problems, hasn't been able to stay on the field. Uh, Jalen Jones, very limited action last year. Dwayne Lofton, very limited action. So you're not really sure what you have in those guys. Tavion Robinson, gone. Trey Turner, gone. Um, Tech is going to need some young receivers to, to start stepping up over the next year or two. Um, Tucker Holloway, hopefully he's the guy. I, I would like to know if he is a legit 6'2 and a half. Uh, something tells me he isn't. <laughs> Just going by how these recruiting services yeah, usually right, are. Right. I, I would really like to see Virginia Tech have a bigger receiver in the room, someone who can stand at six, four, a legitimate six, four, six, five, 
and someone who can be that that really tall guy down the field. We haven't really seen that in quite some time for the Hokies. Um, just to have that big physical receiver, I, I, I don't try to remember the last time that Virginia Tech actually had a guy like that. Uh, hell, I mean, how tall was Jarrett Boykin? Um, it wasn't even that big. Maybe six two, six three, maybe. I don't remember. I mean, I the last like pure wide receiver. I feel like he played a lot taller. I mean, the last pure wide receiver, it's been that tall. It's been a while. But the last guy who kind of was flexing to a wide receiver was was Bucky. But he was – And Bucky did not end. play 6'5 at all. Right. Bucky played like he was 5'5". Five, five. It was it was absolutely <laughs> frustrating sometimes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Tech, Tech needs to get, I think, a bit more physical on the outside – um at 178 holloway is not really the physically imposing body that you that you you may think can fill that role but guys who received the 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 late interest in the in the recruiting process are always interesting to me because um guys who are finally getting power in terms of offers are making the decisions to go after that particular player when they have the chance so um, it's certainly not a bad thing that he's got late late traction from other schools, and thankfully he's um, he's sticking with the Hokies. Anybody else? So I, I I'm gonna just kind of quickly pan through a few guys. I want to hold off on Devin Farrell. I want to hold off on Bryce Duke um, until we talk about the two recent decommits, uh, which we'll get to in a moment. But a few other guys, real quick: Johnny Dixon, the lone. Texas signee in this class. Texas VT is Texas not DVT. dead. It's not dead. We got one in the boat. It just smells dead. <laughs> it's it's almost dead. Um, I mean, maybe Dixon will end up being a really good offensive lineman for Tech, and Dewan Lofton will kind of build on his like late season. Uh, I don't want to say he completely bloomed, but we saw glimpses late in the year. Uh, yeah, that he could play glimpses. a little bit. So. Um, yeah, I mean, who's to say? But good to get a get a high three star interior offensive lineman in. Braylon Moore, the brother, younger brother of Caden Moore, who started as a freshman this past season at guard for Virginia Tech. He signs with the Hokies, six three two ninety interior offensive lineman, just like his brother. Harrison did Houston. John Love get a scholarship? John Love did get a scholarship. Five star kicker, three star per twenty four seven. Cole's kicking, which is the recruiting service that ranks kickers has love listed as a five star from Spartanburg, South Carolina did get a scholarship. Two, four, seven has him as the fourth best kicker in the class. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and like get hype about kicker ratings, but anytime you get a kicker that is on scholarship as a freshman, um, that's certainly something to keep an eye on. It's a good sign. Uh, Reed Pulliam, I want to list him because Life Christian is a school that Virginia Tech definitely wants to build a pipeline at, um, along with you know several other schools. We mentioned Highland Springs. Um, we know there are several schools in the 757 that Virginia Tech would like to kind of extend their recruiting relationship and rebuild the relationship from when Frank Beamer, uh, the Frank Beamer regime, was in office, so to speak. One school they need to, they don't really have a bad relationship with, but they need to continue strengthening is Oscar Smith. Oh, Oscar yeah. Smith just won another state title a couple of days ago. Uh, yeah, Oscar Smith, man. Uh, 
Shout out JC Coleman. Oscar Smith. JC Coleman. Um, God, there's so many guys that have come out of Oscar to Oscar Smith, and I'm gonna kick myself when I go back and look at it. But yeah, Tech is Tech has had a very good time. Keyshawn Artist from Oscar Smith. Yep. Um, that is a really good. That's probably the best program in this area of the state for sure. Yeah, I just shout out JC Coleman because he lived down the hall from me when I was a sophomore, so <laughs> saw him quite a bit. <laughs> so shout out JC Coleman. Uh. All right, let's talk about – is there anybody else you want to talk about that's committed that we haven't talked about yet um, outside of – No, Devin I want to talk Bryce about Duke. Bryce Duke. Damn okay, it. okay. So let's tailor it with this. All right, let's talk about the two guys that decommitted first. So Ramon Brown decommits from Virginia Tech. A He's been decommitted, folks. Four-star running back. Rick's been talking about it for like two weeks. He's he has all over it. He's been decommitted for two weeks. So this entire, I want to talk about this a little bit because this entire recruitment has been very weird, right? So he commits to Virginia Tech seemingly out of the blue this summer, right? I was on my honeymoon, I remember. I was like scrolling through Twitter, which I know my my wife enjoyed, you know, middle of my honeymoon. I'm checking to see <laughs> if Ramon Brown actually was committing to Virginia Tech, and he did. But it just seemed like something was a little bit off with that just on the basis of the timing alone. Um, just kind of out of nowhere, it was like, all right, Ramon Brown's going to announce his commitment, and now Virginia Tech's the front runner. And I was like, that is a little weird, but okay. So Virginia Tech loses Ramon Brown. Ramon Brown is a good player, and Ramon Brown, the player, not having him in the class certainly hurts. But if you're going to lose a player from one position on the roster right now, maybe running back's it, considering the sheer number of recruits Virginia Tech has at the running back position, Rick. I don't know if I agree with that. I, I understand okay. your point. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Just because having having elite talent at running back changes your offense. Right. No, I agree. It, it allows you to do so many different things. I um, agree. And that's not to say that Ramon Brown is going to be a, a stud because he may, very well may not. Uh, something tells me he's going to hate his decision. Considering he went to Maryland, but I don't get, I don't get it. But I mean, look, I he obviously early playing time, maybe he obviously has a plan, and I hope it works out for him. I really do. But when I found out he was flipping to Maryland, just the only thing that came to mind was the the Soldier Boy meme where he screams Drake, like because he was surprised, and that was my reaction when I found out it was Maryland. Like Maryland, really? Like, huh? But, um, again, another guy from the Richmond area. Uh, Virginia Tech is going to have to, you know, I mean, Bryce Duke is not Ramon Brown in terms of his ceiling, I don't think. Now, let's, let's be honest. Um, Duke just won all Met Offensive Player of the Year. I was going to say, so, like, he's a guy when he committed, and, and I think it's because of the timing of when he committed. So he committed a few weeks, you know, when he verbaled committed a few weeks before Ramon Brown and everybody in the, in the VT fan base that follows recruiting was so into the Ramon Brown commitment that they were not as excited about Bryce Duke at the time as I thought they should have been. Then Bryce Duke goes out accounts for like 3000 all purpose yards this fall at Tuscarora high school in Leesburg and earns all met in the DMV uh, from the Washington post, which if you're not from the DC metro area, you have to understand this is a huge deal. 
like to be named the the best player in the DC metro area. I mean, there is a lot of football talent in the DMV. You know, Andrew, Ricky, and I have discussed that extensively. A big reason why Virginia Tech needs to recruit this area better. A big reason why they hired Brent Pry to do that. Uh, but but to be named All Met is a huge deal, Ricky. And I think Bryce Duke has a chance on paper to be pretty good. No, he does absolutely. Um, he, he anyone who is that productive obviously is doing something right. Right. Uh, and you have to hope that he'll be able to secure a a spot in the rotation. Um, Tech is in a good spot for running back next year. Should everyone stay on the roster? I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, but there is there is some talent on that in in that spot at the moment. Definitely. Hopefully it'll stay that way and you won't have to rely on these younger guys to play right away. Um, in an ideal world, Malachi Thomas wouldn't have had to play last year. Right. But he did. And turns out he's probably pretty good. <laughs> but, right. um, you know, you, you obviously want to try and get these guys time to get acclimated to college football because it's a completely different beast. But a little... Losing Ramon Brown was frustrating because you saw it coming from a mile away. And there was just like, uh, it was so predictable. Um, the, the, the Alex Orgi one was almost as predictable, but not as much once they hired Chris Marv. I thought that Marv's position on the staff might have helped secure that. And for those who aren't aware, Chris Marv apparently recruited Orgi's brothers Right. Um, to what school was that? Uh, to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Right. That's that's right. So, I, I thought that there was a chance that they might be able to keep him on sta- uh, in in the boat because of that, but clearly that is not the case, and he is going to Michigan, uh, which hasn't had a productive quarterback uh, on a consistent basis since Denard Robinson. Right. <laughs> yeah, I. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is the first year they've had competent. I mean, Cade McNamara was good this year. It's the first time they've had competent quarterback play in quite some time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that, uh, that one hurts, right? I mean, this was the guy that Virginia Tech was really hoping to pull. He was a high three-star quarterback, had an absolute cannon on film. You see the ball traveling 65 yards in the air, 70 yards in the air. You're like, oh, my God, this kid's a stud, and – Michigan comes out and, and, and steals him away at the last minute. But, you know, th- there is going to be turnover. And, you know, anytime there's a transition class, you kind of have to take the good with the bad. So for every flip of Benji Gosnell or every signing at Gosnell and every flip of Keyshawn Burgos and Brody Meadows, there's a flip the other way. So losing Ramon yep. Brown and Alex Orji or Orgy, whatever his name is, certainly hurts. Right, certainly hurts, but uh, anytime you have a transition recruiting class, um, it's really hard to to evaluate what went right or or even what went wrong. I mean, I, I think you know, like we've mentioned uh, last last podcast or two podcasts ago, you know, we mentioned that it's, you know it's imperative going into signing day that you don't judge a coach or coaching staff in a transition year with the good or the bad. Right. Because it's really it's really hard to put in years worth of recruiting in a very 
tight time frame, right? Like Brent Pry came in, he had basically two and a half weeks to do months or years worth of recruiting for guys that he probably didn't have a relationship with. Maybe some of them he did, but a lot of them he didn't have a prior relationship with from his time at Penn State. So think about what the staff needs to do in that really short time frame, Rick. Like they got to come in, they got to look at who's on the board, right? Who's been offered a scholarship? Then you have to quickly decide, okay, do you want to keep them on scholarship, right? Are you going to take their commitment on National Signing Day? So you have to decide that first. Then you have to, out of those folks, you know, make those relationships in a very short time frame, right? Two years of recruiting, right? If you don't know them, like years worth, months, months and years worth of recruiting, you got to get done in a two and a half week period. <laughs> so get to know them and, and get them to know you as well as you can in that short time frame. And then you got to try to keep those guys that you want. And then you have to reevaluate the landscape and decide, okay, out of who's left and who's on the board, who do we want to extend a scholarship to? So think of Hunter McLean in that category, right? You know, guys who were, you know, preferred walk-ons or maybe on the fringe of getting a scholarship under the Fuente regime that maybe Brent Pry thinks are deserving of a scholarship, right? So they offer Hunter McLean literally this morning and he commits to Virginia Tech. So you got to kind of do all of that with a limited coaching staff and you have to try to establish and or keep relationships with guys that you may have recruited at Penn state, but now you're trying to recruit them to a new school and try to keep their recruitment for a staff that they're probably not familiar with. So it's a difficult task. And as much as we can commend Brent Pry and his staff for keeping Gunnar Gibbons and, and keeping Rayshad Purnell and Cam Johnson, Mansoor Delane, et cetera, Tucker Holloway, you know, flip candidate, Bryce Duke, you know, on the other side, it's like, man, it, it sucks. You couldn't pull Ramon Brown. It, it sucks that, you know, uh, you couldn't keep Malcolm Jones from Georgia and he, you know, he goes up to Michigan state. It, it sucks. You couldn't keep Alex or in the class. So you got to take the good with the bad, certainly, but I'll tell you what, Ricky, to be sitting here on the night of national signing day and to have a top 30 class as is currently constituted considering that Virginia Tech had a change in head coach and considering where Virginia Tech has been recruiting in recent years, I think a lot of fans will take it. Yeah, yeah, it, it could have been a lot worse. Um, we're not going to learn a lot about Tech's recruiting chops for another year plus probably. But all things considered, um, Tech has done a good job so far of at least – calming the boat and getting everyone, you know, kind of through this, this transition period, all the while, we don't know who a bunch of the offensive staff is. Now, supposedly they have made hires uh, behind the scenes and uh, we haven't, they haven't been announced yet. Uh, we don't know why the Tyler Bowen hire hasn't been announced because he's um, too busy stuck in Jacksonville purgatory. <laughs> yeah. A lot of coaches are stuck uh, down there. Yeah. Um, and then, so yeah, I, I don't know. What, what, it, it, it's always frustrating because, you know, guys are committed for so long and then you kind of think to yourself, okay, how, what's their trajectory in the program going to look like? But until they sign, man, you really just have to kind of wait and see. 
And even once they sign, you have to wait and see if they're going to stick it out and not transfer. And um, Virginia Tech is going to have to rely on the transfer portal at a lot of positions as far as I'm concerned, but especially quarterback. Um, not, not bringing in Alex Orgi, that's one, that's one less scholarship that you've got. You might as well use that. I think they should have brought one in regardless if Alex Orgi signed or not. Um, but Virginia Tech absolutely needs to land a transfer quarterback this year without question. And I'm probably uh, wishing uh, rather stupidly here, but Cameron Ward from Incarnate Word. Oh, my God. I was going to say, Virginia Tech offers him um, a scholarship today. And my God, have you seen his numbers? Yes. Now, again, it's he plays at a school that I, I don't know how to describe incarnate word. Like, I, I don't have a I don't have a funny pun for them, but he's the second highest tra- uh, rated second. transfer quarterback in the portal behind the guy with the absolute ugliest hair listen, in college football. Listen, listen, uh, he, he goes to a Christian school and he very well might be the second coming of Christ. <laughs> That's how we're oh. describing. That's how. <laughs> that's how we're describing. Oh my God, uh, Mike so, is Mike is ready to lie tonight. <laughs> oh my God. So Andrew Andrew tweeted this earlier. So, uh, not recruited out of high school because he played in the wing tee in the middle of nowhere is how Andrew described it. Jerry Rice Award winner from the spring season, added forty six hundred yards and forty seven touchdowns in the fall. Buddy. Buddy, 47 touchdowns by himself? Sign me up. Bro, if Gerard worked, I'm ready to lie tonight, baby. <laughs> Give me some Cameron Ward. Um, Cameron anyway. Ward was sacked 10 times in one game. I'm looking at in six times in another game. Uh, I can, I can guarantee no matter who Virginia Tech trots out this fall on the offensive line, it's probably better than what he was playing behind <laughs> it, incarnate word. I would certainly hope so. <laughs> yes. But kid can play, so that'd be pretty sick. I don't know much about him other than what the, what the box And if you look says. at the rest of the portal, a lot of the guys have already decided where they're going, at least in terms of the top or the upper echelon guys. Dylan Gabriel um, looks like he's going to UCLA apparently. Uh, Spencer Rattler is going to play with Shane Beamer and he's going to hate it. Max Johnson is probably going to Texas A&M apparently. Um, and then you have some other guys. Bo Nix is in the portal, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Zach Calzada is in the portal. I thought that was interesting. So there are some names here for sure. And uh, Virginia Tech's got to get somebody. Uh, we, we do not need to see a quarterback room next year that has Braxton Burmeister and Connor Blumrick as one and two. That, that sounds absolutely awful. Yeah, I mean, it's – look, I, I got a lot of questions about what Virginia Tech's going to do a quarterback, but if they don't bring in somebody from the portal, oh, my God. I mean, Rick, how's your arm these days? <laughs> because um, – You know, I, I mean, it's actually not bad. <laughs> okay, well, you know. Got any eligibility? I, I, I played. I played a football. I do have eligibility. I played a football okay. game uh, last weekend, and I played offensive and defensive line for the most part because I'm. I was the biggest guy there, and uh, they had. I had never played with these guys before, so they had no idea what I was capable of. And then I played quarterback towards the end, and 
I've had some a few nice completions downfield. There you go. There you yeah. go. So a little, little bit. I mean, Brent Pry might be calling you up. I, I am. I'm willing <laughs> to bet. I'm willing to bet that my arm strength is only slightly worse than Braxton Burmeister's. There you go. It's only slightly <laughs> worse. How about overall? How about overall athletic ability? Uh, I, I ain't got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. We. Yeah. We're. It's lion season tonight, but we're not going to lie about that. We're not going to lie about that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. Overall, pretty decent class so far. I mean, I'm sure Virginia Tech will add some. You know, we mentioned that uh, there were some guys still outstanding. Uh, Daquan Wright at tight end uh, is one guy that Virginia Tech will certainly be looking to add a commitment from Xavier Chaplin, another offensive tackle, is another guy who's going to be evaluating his options. Wright is from Perry, Georgia. Chaplin from Seabrook, South Carolina. Virginia Tech has had success in both Georgia and South Carolina in the past. Malachi Madison still listed as a hard commit, but he has signed his national letter of intent, so he'll be a member of this class as well from Chester, Virginia. So, look, like we mentioned, 804 and 757 pipelines. That's where Virginia Tech's trying to work. And so far, Virginia Tech's done a really nice job at holding down the fort in the state of Virginia. As I go down this list, Virginia Tech has added so far 11 officially from the state of Virginia. Malachi Madison would make it 12 uh, once his national letter of intent is processed. Pretty solid haul from the state of Virginia, Rick. Nobody got as much of a haul as Travis Hunter, though. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Travis Hunter. There are rumors of a one. Okay, so uh, Travis Hunter, top prospect in the country, defensive back. Was committed to Florida State, which I thought was odd. Committed to Florida State and decommitted and has since decided to sign his national letter of intent at Jackson State to go play for Deion Sanders, which if you're a defensive back, you want to be coached by one of the best defensive backs to ever play the game. That's probably a good choice. But more importantly, Ricky, Deion Sanders has a connection with Barstool Sports as he's been doing football podcasts for Barstool. Barstool has a relationship with Penn Gaming, uh, of course, a casino, there are rumors that uh, Barstool and Penn Gaming are going to throw a million dollars this kid's way, if you can believe it. A million dollars in NIL to go play at Jackson State. And I tweeted this this afternoon because everybody's talking, you know, we, get, we got all the national media folks saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, NIL has changed the game and HBCUs, you know, if you play your cards right, you know, these kids can get paid at HBCUs and, you know, really good prospects can go to these smaller schools. Ladies and gentlemen, the only reason why uh, Jackson State was able to pull the top prospect in the country is because Deion Sanders is the coach, number one, and number two, because he had an existing relationship with Barstool Sports on the business side. He was able to land this pile of cash for this kid. That's the only reason why a five-star was able to land at an HBCU and capture that kind of rumored money, not officially yet, but rumored money. Uh, that's why I don't think this is going to be a thing where like four and five stars across the country, you have like 15 of the top 20 prospects going to small schools and HBCUs. I just don't see that happening. Don't see it. 
even if this kid is getting that kind of NIL money, playing at Jackson State puts an inherent ceiling on your draft stock. Right? Like he would he, like, he, he's going to have to play the most dominant level of football seen at that level ever if he wants to be a really high draft pick in the NFL. Um it's just you, the, the, the level of competition is not close and, and NFL scouts are going to see that. And they're going to be like, look, I have no idea if this kid can play because he's playing against people that, that beat up on Ricky, the blue and pick up football games on the weekends. You're supposed to laugh there. Damn it. I'm making a joke about myself <laughs> and you just, it just was straight over your head. I, <laughs> I'm sorry. But no, it, it it is interesting that um, a, a coach is using NIL money to to do that. I wonder now if Nick Saban is going to start using uh, Aflac as well as Deion Sanders, by the way, because since they both do stuff for Aflac, I wonder if Nick Saban can now start using Aflac to get kids to Alabama with NIL money. I'm I'm pulling up the quote right now from Jimbo Fisher because I don't want to paraphrase and i want to make sure that i give the full quote it's due but he had a great quote today on nil he said there were a lot of nil deals going on before all this right all this became legal they just weren't legal at the time nobody told on nobody so basically just confirming college football's worst kept secret people have always been getting paid rick like the prospects have always been getting paid. They've always been capturing that back. Now it's just legal. So the playing field has been evened, so to speak. Sure. <laughs> sure. I still don't really know how all this is going to work out. I mean, th- there is. It's going to be years before we find out from a competitive balance standpoint, I think. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm not even sure it's going to change the balance, to, to be quite honest. And, and also, too, like five, ten years from now, like how many of these these businesses have buyer's remorse? I mean, right. how many how many how many businesses are are or I don't know exactly who uh, gave Spencer Rattler all that money, but it's like Spencer Rattler got a boatload of cash and he was really mid this year. Yeah. And and, and his, starting job. his his stock as a player has dropped significantly, mm-hmm. and now he is going to a bottom tier program in the SEC, where he's going to get beat up by Georgia and maybe even Florida and maybe Tennessee next year. Um, doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me. So I I wonder if people are going to start to be hesitant with the amount of money that they give out uh, once they see a lot of these guys flop. Yeah, no, it'll definitely be interesting to see. Um, I don't know. I think we're going to head that direction from buyer's remorse from a coaching salary standpoint too, because first we were talking about buyouts being under control and now just flat out the contracts are out of control too. So there'll be a market correction on all of it. It's probably too early to tell. Um, kind of where all of this goes 
So it'll be interesting. Uh, but Rick, before we get out of here, we got to talk about basketball. We've been on here about an hour and we, we got to address this. We've been on here an hour right already. Al- almost. Almost. Wow. It's uh, yeah. 1030 Eastern time here on Wednesday night. Uh, yeah. We've been at almost an hour. Let's talk about the basketball team. So since we last recorded, Virginia Tech beat the absolute breaks off Cornell uh, by 33 and then lost to Dayton on Sunday afternoon, a game that Virginia Tech trailed for the entirety of the contest. Uh, Made a late push there in the second half. uh, Ended up losing by five to the Flyers, who are a young, talented team, but have some flaws, certainly. Uh, Some questionable losses, some big wins as well. But Virginia Tech unable to get the job done on the road. Tech falls to seven and four on the year. This team's been very hot and cold, Rick. Very hot and cold. And now Virginia Tech has a really interesting three-game stretch, really important three-game stretch coming up. St. Bonaventure on December 17th is coming Friday at 4 p.m. in Charlotte, neutral site game. At Duke, December 22nd. At UNC on December 29th. So a really important three-game stretch. St. Bonaventure. Uh, looks like a tourney team. They're they're top 30, 35 team in the country. They're not ranked at the moment, but they've been playing some decent basketball and they've been missing their best player, Kyle Lofton, who will be questionable for Friday's game. Um, we'll see if he plays or not. Uh, a, a much more winnable game for Virginia Tech if he's not playing, but I, I would like to see St. Bonaventure at full strength with him on the floor. Then at Duke and at UNC, uh, back-to-back pretty tough games on the road. Rick, this team's kind of been disappointing considering what I, I think a lot of us expect him to be. This has not been great. Kind of? Yeah. Kind of disappointing? I mean, they're not a tournament team right now. Yeah. They're, they're not. Um, the, the backcourt has been really, really bad. Really bad. Naheem Malin not shooting the ball well. Storm Murphy not having and the impact we thought he would extremely disappointing um the other guys on the bench darius maddox sean padula they've been okay like padula has shown some flashes darius maddox darius maddox has shown some flashes maddox has been good i'll pause right there maddox needs to play more yeah i I would agree especially if nehima lean is going to go one of ten right like maddox needs to play more needs to play absolutely got to make some tough decisions with your vets no, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, Continue. Sorry. But yeah, this team is not just, just this team's not playing very good basketball. I, I, KV Aluma needs to be more physical. Somebody needs to, to get in his face and fire him up. Um, Justin Mutz cannot be the only guy in the paint that's acting like a dog. Someone else has got to get down there and be willing to play hardball. Uh, Storm Murphy, dude. I, I, what I really want to say, I can't because it, it would be considered insensitive these days, but like, go take it. Go, go take it. He's been a dominant, aggressive scorer his entire career, and he's not even trying to be that anymore. Right. He has, he has taken a complete backseat in the offense. Yeah. And he hasn't been great on defense either. Um, Virginia no. Tech misses, Virginia Tech misses Wabisabidi. 
fans were so ready to get rid of Wabisa Beatty. I, 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 I was not right? ready to get rid of, of Beatty. You were not. You were you were in the minority. I was not either. And a lot of fans were like, oh, he's not giving us anything on offense. So Storm Murphy, second coming of Christ. He hasn't done anything on offense, <laughs> and he's not as physical defensively as Wabisa Beatty on the perimeter. And there's one thing we could say about Beatty. He was a really good perimeter defender. Tech's missing that right now out of their backcourt, and they're missing, obviously, the offense, which Wabisa Beatty couldn't help you with. But you would expect that but he, Storm, but Murphy, Storm would. Murphy isn't helping either. Right. So it's a net negative with Murphy because he's not giving you the offensive punch. Yeah, I mean, look at the look at the shooting percentages. Storm Murphy is shooting thirty four percent from three. Um, Naheem Aline's only shooting thirty eight percent. But it gets worse when you go to like the, the actual field goal percentages. Storm Murphy is shooting forty three percent. Hunter Couture is at 41%. Naheem Malina is shooting 34.5% from the field this year. That's just not going to do it. It's not going to get it done. I'm sorry. Um, Mike Young needs to be able to get these guys fired up. And he's got to get them to play with an edge. And he's got to get them to play aggressive basketball. They're not doing it right now. And this is, I mean you hit it right on the hit the nail right on the head, man. They've got three tough games here. The the Bonnies are always a tough out. I don't care what year it is. That program is a good program. They just are. Yep. Duke Duke's Duke, man. I, they, they got nobody that's going to guard Bancaro on the perimeter. Nobody. <laughs> no, nobody. Um, nobody. I, I, I'm not right. really sure what Carolina's roster looks a lot like this year. I haven't done a ton of research, but it's Carolina. Yeah. Um, then you Eight get two, two nationally ranked. You get, yeah. You, you get two games at home, which is nice, but Pitt and NC state are not going to be walks in the park. And then you got a road trip to Virginia. So, and then you get Notre Dame who just knocked off what Kentucky. Yeah. They beat Kentucky on Saturday. So, I mean, I'm, I don't, th- I don't, if the team keeps playing the way they're playing right now, they're not, they're going to miss the tournament. And it's not going to be close. It's not even. Gonna, they're not going to be like on the bubble. No, this looks like a 500 team, and they've, that's not going to be good enough. They've got to wake up. Yeah, wake up. Talents there. I mean, they got the talent to make the tournament. There's no dis. There's no disputing that. It's just it hasn't been good on, like, on a number right. of levels. And I do think Mike Young needs to consider making changes to his starting lineup. And I don't know if he'll do it, but he's got to consider it. I mean, I. I, you got to find a way to get Maddox more minutes. I mean, Maddox has been outside of Hunter Couture. Max has been, and, and Mutz has been okay, but Max has been one of your best players. He's not getting nearly. Darius Maddox minutes. is shooting fifty-four percent from the field and fifty-seven percent from three. Got to play him. Got to play him. And he um, started zero games. Got to play and him. And he's averaging fifteen minutes. And I understand there there might be some concerns defensively because he didn't play a ton last year. And You're playing Storm sure. Murphy. But you're playing. I don't, I don't want to hear that. Agree, agree. but I, I don't I want to hear it. That's exactly where I was going. That's exactly where I was going with it. But I, 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 if you're yeah, gonna play, I mean, if you if you're gonna play other guys who are a net zero or or worse defensively, then give Maddox some more minutes because offensively he's been giving you the punch that's been missing in the backcourt. Also, like this team just isn't built to be a very good defensive team. KV Aluma is not a great rim protector. Um. They, they, they don't have that really long, lanky wing player that can keep up with elite wing players. They don't have a Wabisa Beatty on the floor. So just go score some damn points. 
Yeah. Find, yeah. Get guys in positions to make shots. Yeah, the expectation was that the offense was going to carry this team and they'd have enough defensively because um, Aline is a decent defender. Couture is a good defender, and Mutz is a good defender. You were right about Aluma. He's just not tough enough inside, uh, really, on offense or defense. He just hasn't been I've been enough. saying that for over a year. We've seen, we've seen glimpses uh, of Aluma where he's had some good minutes this year, but we've also seen a lot of not-so-good minutes, a lot of complaining to the officials, a lot of soft play. So he's got to become more consistent. That is, the, that is the, the perfect adjective to describe the way the team is playing right now. They're soft. Yeah. And soft team. I, I, I didn't think that I would see a Mike Young team be soft. No. Mike um, Young, Mike Young, it seems like in a lot of these games so far, he's just kind of been at a loss. I think he's a little bit surprised at how the team's been performing. That's not encouraging. It's not great. <laughs> but I mean, look, they have three, they have three fifth year seniors in the starting lineup. Like, yeah, I mean, that, that should not be a soft team. It should not be a soft team. So the fact that they've been playing soft, I don't know, man. A lot of people are looking in the mirror. I'm, and I think Mike Young's a great coach, but he's got to figure it out, man. I, 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 I doubt that any of the guys are listening to this podcast, but if any one of you are, take it. Yeah. Dare in the world yields. It's one of my favorite quotes. Dare. Take it. Be yeah. the aggressor. Take ownership. Does Virginia Tech win one out of the next three? Yes. Does Virginia Tech I, I would, win two out of the next three? No. Okay, that's right. I, I, that's right. I, I would. I'd be if they get swept, then we can we can probably go ahead and start worrying about next year. Um, it's it's a long season. I get that, but if they lose if they lose all three of these, then I, I don't think there's a chance this team turns it around. We're still looking for Virginia Tech's first real quality win, right? Like. Beating Cornell yeah. by beating Cornell by a million's fine. Like it's Cornell's not a quality win. The Ivy yeah, League, I, but they got to win the Ivy League for that to be a quality win. Uh, Virginia Tech beat even Navy. then. I I mean, lost to Memphis, Savior. Uh, yeah, and Memphis, which you and coach. I were talking about before we actually started recording. Memphis lost five straight after beating Tech, before finally knocking off Alabama last night. Right. So Memphis ain't playing very well either. I'm not sure that's a great team. No, they're they're really athletic. Uh, they're they're a uh, mid tier AAU team. They have a lot of talent. They're all over the place. They're not really well coached. They're they're an AAU team. So Penny Hardaway not coaching all, all that well. Shocking, isn't it? Like, it's almost like them. it's almost like that was a recruiting hire. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're still looking for a. And also that win. brutal loss to Wake Forest just still sticks to me. Yeah, I mean, nineteen points in your own house to Wake. Yeah, it's Man. it's not great, and and Wake is off to a really good start. They they're ten and one, so they're they're better than than they've been. Um, but you know, their their two best wins right now are Virginia Tech, which I, I'm not trying to poo poo the win. The win for Wake. They went on the road and beat a, a team that a lot of people expect to make the tournament by 19, and they beat Oregon State, a team that advanced pretty far in the NCAA tournament last year. But you look at the rest of the schedule; hasn't really been all that imposing to date. But Wake Forest definitely playing some good basketball in year two under Steve Forbes. 
Uh, so good for them. But yeah, Virginia Tech's still searching for some quality wins here. And uh, they, they need to at least start by beating St. Bonaventure on Friday um, and, and then see if you can try to split on the road with Duke and North Carolina. Virginia Tech's had some success against Duke the last few years. Can that continue? That's the question. And Virginia Tech, not sure they have anybody who can guard Bancaro. Not no. really going to say the answer that is no. that's a slight on Virginia <laughs> Tech, but a lot of teams don't have anybody that can guard Bancaro. So nope. just There's find a, a way. Reason he's going to be a top five draft pick. So maybe just like let him get his and guard everybody else and <laughs> see, see how that goes. Maybe that'll work out. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, yeah. We'll see. This is a really important three-game stretch, though, nonetheless. Rick, anything else before we uh, sign off here? The NFL is doing this weird international marketing concept. And um, I know it has absolutely nothing to do with college football or Virginia Tech or anything that we usually talk about uh, for that matter. But this is just like the weirdest damn concept I've ever heard of. Like, um, congrats, China. You are now a Rams fan. <laughs> Also, um, not sure why we should be worried about advertising in China. Uh, no, we shouldn't be. Let's go ahead um, and not do anything with China. Also, also, um, none of the none of the globe is allowed to be a Washington football fan. the The entirety of the globe cannot root for the Washington football team. Which, hey, I don't blame you, but. <laughs> I- I, I, I find that, oh, but Mexico, Mexico gets like eight teams that they can root for. Las Vegas Raiders? So you get to pick. Um, yes, the, yes, the Raiders are in that list. The Rams are all over the, all over the globe, bro. The Rams are in Mexico, Los Angeles, China, team. and Australia. Los Angeles, national draw, international draw. Like, what makes Germany suited to be for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? <laughs> I don't get I, it. I, it doesn't make any sense. What is what is the source on this? The NFL. They <laughs> announced it today. The <laughs> I like when uh also like they when, have Taiwan as a part of China, which come on, bro. Like uh to put it nicely, debatable. Is that is that intentional? I, yeah. I like <laughs> I like when uh when like an NFL team will put out like, hey, we release this player, we sign this player, and then some random Twitter account will be like source question mark. And then the official <laughs> NFL team will respond saying literally us, the Vikings <laughs> or literally us, the Rams. Cracks yeah, me up I, every time. So Brazilians are only allowed to root for Miami. Why not <laughs> any team from Texas? Why not New Orleans saints? Why like i just i don't know man i don't know and in the only the only european club or the only european areas are the uk spain and germany so like france sorry you don't get to watch football italy you don't get to watch football but we still keep but we keep playing games in london you know this is just so stupid. <laughs> this is like the NFL can can do some stupid some stupid shit sometimes. Remember, remember when Roger really 
I was just going to say, remember when Roger Goodell was was launching an exploratory committee to evaluate whether or not a team would be viable in London full time? Like, yeah, yes. except then you have to fly them to the West Coast. It's yeah. Like, how's that going to work? What are they leaving Sunday after their their previous game? Like, <laughs> what? Are they, what are they going to get get over the West Coast, get acclimated to the uh, six and three, the nine hour time change? Yeah, it's a lot different, like for like European soccer because they're all so close together. Right, right. But, like London to LA, I don't know. All right, now I gotta look it up. I we have completely gone off the rails on this podcast. Yeah, but I mean, whatever. I We're gonna continue. But London is like an, I'm pretty sure like a nine hour time difference. So eight or nine, it depends. It's either five or six to London, and then. Okay, from- so a, a, a flight directly from L.A. to Los Angeles is 10 to 11 hours. L.A. to London, you mean? No, the, London to L.A. Oh, oh, London to L.A. Okay, you said L.A. to Los Angeles. I was like, what? Sorry, sorry. It's okay. Stupid, it's okay. stupid. No, no, 11 um, hours. And, and like you said, that doesn't include the time difference. Uh, people are going to be tired. Let's That's why it will never work. Put NFL. a team in Canada. Just put, put a team in Toronto. What are you doing? Just put a team oh, in I, Toronto and the Bills today. <laughs> Literally us, the Bills. Yeah, put, put, a team, put a team in Toronto. It's like we have we have two we have a Giants and a Jets team that play in the same stadium. We we can do a Toronto and a Buffalo team. Fine. Yeah. So um yeah NFL you, you get your get your act together on this. This this is just an absolute cluster cluster f. The absolute mess. Also, rate, review, subscribe. <laughs> yeah, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, uh, Andrew will be back yes. uh, for the next pod. Um, all, so when Andrew all when Andrew's not on the pod, there's no structure to this podcast. Mike Which and I basically could be good, could be bad. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we um, miss Andrew though, but could, yes, but lack of structure. I don't know if it's good or bad, but we do our best. Yes, and Mike and I just basically bloviate for an hour plus and. Um, sometimes we talk about things that have nothing to do with, with Virginia tech, which is right. the international HMA home marketing area. Whatever. What was what, that? Is, is that the NFL thing? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's the, it's the international HMA is what it is. The international home marketing area. Huh? All right. Well, as soon as we wrap this up, I'm going to research that because that's, <laughs> Like, how lucky are you for Minnesota and Seattle because they get Canada? Like, how easy is that? That's why we should have a Canadian team, Rick. It's bias. It's absolute bias. Whatever. We'll talk next week. Yep. Enjoy the podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, tweet at Andrew. Tell him to get get his ass back here. Go Hokies.